Hello, and welcome in to Not Just Another Sports Podcast. It is the November 2nd edition of the podcast. Um, Joining me, as always, is Christian Amesworth. I am Price Carter, and it is November 2nd. It is officially Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas is You season. Welcome, Christian. You've made it to Merry Christmas. You've made it to the, the holiday season. Thank goodness. For a while there, I didn't think uh, with the Chiefs losing and college piling up, I didn't know if I was going to make it, man. You know, there's there's like a million things to talk about right now, but I just want to talk about that this is, I personally, Halloween is my favorite holiday out of all of them because I feel like Halloween makes us do so many different things than any of the other holidays. Like Halloween, you don't mistake for any other holiday. Like it's the only holiday that we try to scare you. You go door to door, you put on a costume, you get to be somewhere else. You get to watch different types of movies, different types of music. But I, you know, I love Halloween, but another reason why I love Halloween is because like the turn of the calendar from October to November, is awesome. Because, you know, you're getting close to Thanksgiving, you're getting close to Christmas and New Year's. It's like a four holiday run and, and Halloween's the kickoff for it. So truly, we're in the best time of the year for the holidays. Oh, yeah. And low key, the weather is amazing this time of year, too. I mean, I, I live in Missouri, so it's it, it can get pretty cold. But dude, I, I love sweater season. I love hoodie season. But this is the prime time of the year for me. So. Yeah, and deer season starting up, you know, if you're a hunter, it's a good time for mm-hmm. that for sure. Um, yeah, so I guess we'll talk here about uh, the Chiefs game. Obviously, Chiefs played on Monday Night Football. They played the Giants. Um, we were talking before the podcast started a little bit. This might be one of the, like, hardest games to analyze because I, if you asked me what we learned from this Chiefs game, I'm not really sure I can say much of anything. Let, let me let me start it off by asking you this, Christian. Do you feel like if if I asked you if your confidence in the Chiefs got better, worse, or stayed the same after the Giants game, which is it? Did it improve, get worse, or get, or just stay the same as far as what you came away from with the Giants game? I would say it improved, but it improved by such a minute level that it, it's kind of irrelevant, right? Like what did we learn that the defensive line still has something against a bunch of broken offensive linemen and the defense can actually perform when it's Daniel Jones throwing interceptions, which by the way, before we talk about anything else, how's that MVP looking for your boy, Daniel Jones, man. Okay. So first off, I want to address the elephant in the room. (laughs) That is that Daniel Jones has no help. Okay. First off, oh my his, goodness. his arch nemesis is Joe judge. I've never seen someone try to lose a game as hard as Joe judge just did. That offensive line is putrid. And then Kenny Galladay's not healthy. Kadarius, Tony got banged up. Sterling Shepard is injured. Yeah. You know, he needs, he needs to have the pieces come together, you know? And I, I just think that I was probably a year too early on that pick. but it's fine. They'll, they'll rebuild the offensive line. They'll hire Eric B next year. Danny Dimes, you're going to be, we'll, you know, change your tune. Well, I hope you're right because New York Giants is actually one of my low-key all-time favorite franchises. So, I mean, they, they got a ways to go, but I don't know if Daniel Jones can help them get there. Well, uh, for me, as far as this game goes, I mean, I, I agree with you in the sense of the team was three and four. Now they're four and four. So, you know, yes, I do feel better. Honestly, I think probably the two you hit the nail on the head. The two most positive developments from this game was one 
the defensive line, I think Frank Clark had his best game that he's had in a long time as a chief. Now, again, we just mentioned that the offensive line was putrid. Chris Jones looked dominant on the inside. Um, and that was exciting too, because the chiefs have really, really missed that. And then the other most exciting thing was the linebacking group. Um, you know, Anthony Hitchens being out really helped the linebacking group as terrible as this to say that, um, you know, the combination of Nick Bolton and Willie Gate, we saw that. And, you know, Eric Eager tweeted this out that the interception that Willie Gay made on the first series for the Giants was the first athletic play he had seen a Chiefs linebacker made since Derek Johnson. And that's like true, true to the core. Um, that was exciting. And seeing Willie Gay and Nick Bolton out there doing both what they do well, which has always been the thing, those players each do something well. And when they're doing what they can do well, they play great and it's, it's a good combo. But the problem is, is that the chiefs haven't been using them in that role as much as they should have. And so that, that was really exciting to see as well. And yes, you're right. Daniel Jones had to cooperate a little bit and the giants certainly uh, rolled over and let the chiefs scratch their belly a little bit there at different times for the defense. But, you know, there was a time there that we would have planned on the giants scoring 30 and that was positive. Um, the defense, continues to be taking positive steps and you know they took another step with a trade today that we'll get to here in a little bit but as much as I want to say positive things about the off about the defense I'm not sure I can say a damn positive thing about the offense I mean oh yeah I and it's oh sorry go ahead go ahead no 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 you're good it's just where you know it, it, it just seems like the offense cannot cope with this too high stuff and it seems like the only way that they're able to is what they did tonight or last night. And basically Patrick Mahomes' average depth of target was like three yards of play. And he's like over half of his completions were behind the line of scrimmage and it worked. I mean, they've got the players to do it with McCole Hardman had a few uh, pretty good catches and run after the catches and runs and Tyree kill was kind of all over the place this game, but it just, even against the giants and the giants defense isn't, the Washington football team defense. That's not a terrible defense. James Bradbury is a good corner. Um, there, you know, there's some players who are playing really well on that defense at times. Uh, but man, it just looked so hard. It, it pains me to say it so much. And I, I don't know why this is, but for whatever reason, Andy Reid will not stick with the run. Like for, for whatever reason you saw it, Derek Gore was playing like the best running back on the chiefs, which I'm not so sure that he's not. And he, he just refused to give him the ball in the second half. Like we, we drove down the field. There, there was one sequence where we drove down the field, got a touchdown. The very next, the very next time we got our hands on the football, it was incomplete pass, incomplete pass. Uh, another, I think it was a completion for 10 yards or for eight yards. And then an incomplete pass. Like we, for we, why would we do that? That, that, that doesn't make any sense. And I, I don't know why it is. Either it's just stubbornness from the coaching staff or what, but there's a lot of fire Andy Reid memes going around, like especially yesterday. And I, I obviously disagree with that, but I can see where they're coming from at least. Well, I mean, one thing that I will say that was kind of unusual about this game is that when it came to the Chiefs running the ball, it was either like 11 yards a pop or negative two. Like, it seemed like it was either just complete boom or bust. They weren't really getting, like, two or three yards chunks. 
But I mean, it, it just it just feels like you're right that the Chiefs can't hold their water enough with rushing the ball that team like because that was the thing, right? Like the Chiefs defense has been so bad against the run for so long that they really make you question whether a team can beat you running the ball because they're so efficient at doing it that they're running the ball at like six, seven yards a clip that it's almost like, well, maybe this is just as bad as getting cut up on the pass, but the chiefs won't hold their water. But I mean, you mentioned it. I'm ready to put Derek Gore's bust in Canton, man. Like I'm, I'm all in, I'm a whore for Gore, baby. Like I've seen everything that I need to see enshrine him now. I I'm being slightly hyperbolic, but not much. He looks like the perfect Andy Reid back. He has just enough power up the middle. He has just enough speed for the outside zone, just enough patience. He looked like the best running back the Chiefs have had. And I'm not, I, I'm not comparing him to this player. Obviously, I'm being very hyperbolic, tongue firmly planted in cheek. But he looks like the best back the Chiefs have had since Kareem Hunt at times. Well, I, and I don't think that's a hot take, but – would it kill Andy Reid to get a back that can do it all? Like it was so clearly telegraphed in who we had in our running back, who, who was out on the field. I mean, if we were running or passing the ball, if we were passing the ball. If, oh, now I can't even think of his name. We were running the ball if Gore was out there. Yeah. And then and we were passing if Williams was out there. Yeah. Because Gore is just apparently awful at pass blocking, which. And, and I mean, here's, here's the thing, you know, I, they might have not realized what they had with Derek Gore until they started giving him the ball, and he just kind of was getting the hot hand treatment there on that drive. But I mean, he outrushed Daryl for sure. Now Daryl had quite a few pass, uh, you know, quite a few yards in the pass catching game. But I mean, here's the thing: you think about. I, I feel like it's going to go one or two ways with the rushing attack. You either go and you get Derek Henry or Christian McCaffrey, a true, like you said, can do it all type of guy. Oh my gosh, dude. The Braves are destroying the Astros. Dan B. Swanson just hit a two run home run. They're up five zero. The Braves are going to win the world series, baby. Okay. Side note, Jorge Soler is going to be the world series MVP. Kansas city Royals, Royal Jorge Soler. Anyways. Um, so they're either going to go with like, you know, a true top level Saquon Barkley like player, or they're going to be more like the Ravens are. And the Ravens are always kind of the hot hand type of guy. I feel great about the rushing attack if they utilize Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Derek Gore, and Daryl Williams at the things they're good at. But what I don't trust them to do is that. I feel like that we're going to come away and Clyde's going to get the majority of the work whenever he comes back. And to me, he is he does only a few things well. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that's perfectly put. He isn't utilized in the passing game, so he basically can't be out there on passing downs because he's an awful run or pass blocker and he's not that good of a runner. So I don't, I don't understand why they're throwing him in here. He's had 100-yard games. Derek Gore last night would have at least six. If, if he was playing on the Chiefs last year, basically took the snaps. If he was our first-round pick, he, he would have at least 600-yard games. Oh, I, I don't I, think that's I don't think that's being extreme or, or reactionary. I, because I think that's honestly because he true. has the one thing that we've always said that CEH doesn't. CEH hits the hole hard, but he can never break away, and he just had that breakaway speed. Yeah, you know, well, and that, that seriously, I mean that that made a world of difference. And we don't need to uh, go on and on about Derek Gore. I mean, we're gonna have the rest of his twelve year NFL career to sing his praises. <laughs> but I mean, you just think about the Chiefs running backs, you know. 
Priest Holmes, Larry Johnson, Christian Okoye, Jamal Charles, Kareem Hunt, Derek Gore. I mean, the you know, yeah. someone all-time great. Yeah, all time greats. The you know, the sword must be passed to the next. But seriously, uh, you know, on a more serious note, the most concerning thing has to be how Mahomes played, and it just doesn't seem to be getting better. And here's the thing is that I really, really, really hate putting it on a Mahomes, but he's obviously part of the problem. But I, I think it's got to be 50-50 between him and Andy Reid because they were getting six-man boxes in dime package, which is basically two safeties or a safety and a cornerback in there. And they were throwing the ball. They were dropping seven into coverage, and they were throwing the ball. And I cannot get that through my head why Andy Reid would want to do that and Mahomes isn't going to tell him no. Like he's going to be like, yeah, let me sling it. Like I'll figure it out. And that's been proven game after game that you know what they're going to play. They're going to play two high safeties. They're going to drop people back into coverage and rush with four. It's one of the reasons why the offensive line has been graded so high by PFF. It's six versus one or five versus one or four. They're, they're only rushing four. And I don't, I don't know why we're not running the ball. The offensive line is tooled for that as well. But so, so you, do you think it's more on Mahomes or, or on the coaching staff at this point? Well, I, here's the thing. I think that there have been some really kind of unfortunate things that have happened that have kind of created the monster we're at now. I think in the first couple of games, the Chiefs offense was playing really well because Patrick Mahomes still had the confidence to put the ball where he wanted to, to make the plays. And then in the last couple of weeks, the offense has started to struggle because the turnovers have become so habitual. And I think now with this too high, like here's the thing about the too high, right? They put a lot of men, you know, they show it time and time again, anytime there's a Chiefs game, there's all those people that are on the field crowding up the passing lanes. You know, there's not a lot of people around the line of scrimmage, but there's just bodies everywhere. And I think, Mahomes has almost kind of got himself into a funk where he's so quick to see, oh, there's a player there. I'm not going to throw it. He's lost that kind of ability to zip it in and do it or fight it in there. Or the other thing is, is that I just felt like there was a lot of plays that he was just kind of going to one read and that's it because he doesn't trust the offensive line and the clock's ticking in his head. Although I will, I do want to bring up the last play that the Chiefs had where they kicked the field goal. A lot of people were super up in arms about that play, but it Mahomes, the worst thing Mahomes could have done there was throw an incompletion. And if he didn't think that he had a, had a player open, now we can argue about whether, you know, Kelsey was open or if another player was open, but taking a sack there actually wasn't the worst thing um, because it kept the clock running and the giants were out of timeout. So they burned 35 seconds of clock there. And that, that did end up mattering. So that wasn't the worst play, like throwing an incompletion or throwing it away would have been way worse for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as who do I put it on more? If we're going to do percentages, I'd say 51 Andy Reid, 49 Patrick Mahomes, because the first drive I even tweeted out, I was like, oh, Andy's calling the good plays tonight because those, the first series, the Chiefs, def- uh, the Chiefs offense looked great. They made a concerted effort to get the ball in Tyreek Hill's hands. They were throwing just real quick in in um, in repetition throws. It's everything just seemed very in time, and Mahomes looked great. Now the play in the the play in the end zone. I mean, 
that's just one of those that I just finished my beer and I was just like, I, the luck is so against them right now. It, it, like that, that pass could have been caught by two players and instead it gets caught by a Giants player, of course. But, um, you know, I, I do think that there are things that Andy can continue to do for Patrick Mahomes, but also Andy can't make Patrick throw the ball. And, you know, I, I think that Travis Kelsey is hurt or banged up or just is getting old before our eyes, but he has had some, a couple of rough games here in a row. And it, he just always seems to be a step behind the ball at this point right now. And I know that that, you know, next week he could very well have a hundred yard game, but he seemed to struggle a little bit. Um, Josh Gordon is kind of just a question mark at this point. He's more of a myth than anything. So, uh, you know, if we've got to put it on someone, I, I guess I'm putting the majority of it on Andy, but Patrick's got to be right there with it. Well, you mentioned, and I'll kind of backtrack here a little bit. You mentioned Mahomes not being, not feeling comfortable with the offensive line. He doesn't trust him. How much of it do you think is his distrust in the offensive line? And how much do you think it is? I mean, we know how Patrick Mahomes plays, right? Like whenever he doesn't see something, he makes a break. He pulls guys out of position by breaking the pocket and throwing back across his body to a wide open guy who, you know, they never even thought would be open. How much of it is him not seeing anything? Cause I do think you're right. I think that he is getting stuck on these first reads and then he's, getting a little antsy he's like okay there's not there I know it's not going to be over here I got to try to make a play and then he breaks the pocket I mean we saw multiple times there was no pressure and he he was bailing how well I'll just go back to the the very beginning here how much of it do you think is his distrust in the offensive line and how much of it do you think is Mahomes just trying to make a play doing what he's always done well you know it's weird because Technically, this is the best offensive line he's ever played in front of, you know, and Orlando Brown is not great, but also is not terrible. I mean, he's really not been that bad. And, you know, Lucas Nying is not Mitchell Schwartz. That is that is a very, very true statement. But to me, I almost wonder if some of the Mahomes bailing out of the pocket is going back to the him getting bored and not being willing to take the take the checkdowns and stuff. And, you know, you just, you just start to wonder if that has something to do with that, that maybe it's more about him bailing because he's bored or he just feels like this is how I make plays is that I create space. You know, they did that cutesy play where Kelsey lined up in the shotgun and threw the ball back to Mahomes and Mahomes was in motion to throw. I, you know, in some ways, my friend that I was watching the game with is like, well, what did the Chiefs just gain from that? Like, what was the point of doing that? And I said, well, you know, some misdirection, but also, I mean, Mahomes got to do what he loves to do, running to the right, got players on the move where he can just kind of throw the ball on the run. Those, those are some of the things he does best. Um, you know, at this point, you've got, you've got to look and just wonder if, and I honestly feel like some of the stuff going on with Mahomes is going to take a full off season to change. Like, you know, is he just going to have to go and work with like a old school QB coach who's going to force him to stay in that pocket and just step up and step up. And, and it's not even the drifting back. Cause I don't even really think he did that a whole lot. This one was just evading clean pockets. Yeah. Just, just bailing and doing whatever he can to get out of there. I don't want to belabor the point too much. Obviously, Mahomes is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's just in a slump. 
And I don't know if it's going to, he keeps saying he's going to snap out of it. I don't know if it's going to take, you know, just one game. Maybe there's a get right game out there somewhere where we, I don't know, we blow the Green Bay Packers out of the sky or, or something like that. But it does kind of feel like this is going to take a whole off season. Well, I mean, my dream, this won't happen, but gosh, if Andy Reid could go and watch some Kyle Shanahan film or some like Michael or Matt LaFleur film and see how much those offenses are predicated off the run. Like the chiefs offense is an offense that's designed to pass. And then when you run, it surprises you because they're not passing. And I just feel like the whole chiefs identity needs to switch to running more big personnel and going off the run because of what teams are doing to them. Like I can't, I can't imagine what like this group of players with like a Kyle Shanahan, like offense or pick your, pick your guy. Um, what's his name in Cleveland does this quite a bit too, where it's just, everything's predicated off the run. I mean, that's at this point, I know I hate saying that because it, it feels dirty to say, but I can't imagine what it would be, what this offense would be like right now with that. I, I feel like they would just crush teams. Well, and the offensive line is tooled to do that. Orlando Brown is not used to taking five steps. He's not used to Patrick Mahomes taking a 15-step drop. You know, that Trey Smith, we saw it last night. We, we saw it Monday night. He was clobbering people. It wasn't close. Like, Creed Humphrey is, a, is an amazing center. He bulldozes people. This, this offensive line is not made to throw the ball. And I know that Andy Reid loves to throw the ball. And I don't know whether it's because he doesn't trust his running backs. I mean, we saw them fumble a whole bunch early in the season, which, you know, could have disheartened him a little bit, but I think you're right. I think we just need to transform our identity to less of a pass first offense and more of a run first, just until we get some, you know, heavier boxes till they start respecting the run game. And 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 I don't see him doing that this year. I I just don't. And who knows? I don't think that Clyde is coming back this week, even though he is eligible who knows, maybe the answer is just that, you know, Clyde and Derek Gore and Daryl all get going and Andy feels like he's got three good options and can kind of really start leaning into that. Um, but let, let's move on to a couple of quick hitters that are kind of relative to the game here. Um, put, a, put a percentage on it. What percentage chance do you give the Chiefs of making the playoffs? So <laughs> there are a few people in the way right there's the bills raiders i'll just go through them chargers rams or ravens Bengals, steelers titans all those teams are at least one game ahead now the chiefs have the hardest schedule remaining which i think you probably have to factor into that as well oh their schedule is brutal and it's mostly divisional games which if they weren't supposed to be hard they're gonna be hard so i still want to say 70 percent, just because i think that the chiefs are, are going to make a late run. I think that was a step in the right direction and who knows, maybe Mahomes clicks, but I have a question for you. Do we want them to, do we want the chiefs to make the playoffs this year? Because- uh, yes. Uh, here's the thing. This, this is where, and I mean, look, if you want to be a real truther and say that Patrick Mahomes is so broken that there's no way they can get this back on track. I'll, I'll listen to it in the sense of like, you know, you've got some evidence to point to, but look, we all know that, I mean, the, the bucks are living proof of this. The bucks were a wild card team last year. that got hot at the right time and ripped through the playoffs. 
They won four playoff games. The Chiefs can absolutely do that. They, no team wants to face the Chiefs in the first round of the playoffs at home. Or, sorry, you know, with the Chiefs being on the road. No one wants, no one wants to do that. So, yes, absolutely. This, you know, part of the playoffs and part of football that's fluky is just weird things happen in a single-game sample, right? Look at the way the Browns won their first playoff game in forever. The, the, uh, the Steelers were down 14-0 before you could even, you know, zip your pants up from going pee. Like, it happened so fast. A ball got snapped over uh, Ben Roethlisberger's head and, like, an interception. Like, it happened that fast. So, yeah, you do. And also, you know, what are we talking about here? Like, you know, if, if Patrick Mahomes gets hurt in the Packers game and he's out for the season, no, I don't want them to win another game. But even though the schedule does look, uh, you know, challenging ahead, you know that they're still probably got another three, four wins in them. So, you know, seven and ten eight and nine, you know, like those they're, they're going to be in the middle anyway. So if you're going to be in the middle of the draft and not be a top pick, you might as well try to take your shot at trying to, trying to get a super bowl. But I mean, well, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I have them at probably just, I, I think that they're over 50% to, to make the playoffs. Part of this is, and I'm factoring in, we'll get into this in a second about, I don't think that the Raiders are going to keep, doing what they're doing and the chargers are having a real regression. So I'll put them at like 55% to make the playoffs. So over 50, 50 at this point, I, I think yeah. that they will make the playoffs. Um, and honestly, I put their ability to win the, win the division still up there too. I mean, the good thing about the chiefs is that they have pretty much everything in hand to win the division. They've got one more game against the chargers and they've got two more games against the Raiders. The division is going to come down to pretty much those three games. Yeah, well, and the Chargers are the only other team in the AFC that or AFC West that isn't a dumpster fire right now. I mean, look at the Raiders, and we'll we'll talk about that a little later. But even the Broncos trading probably their best defensive player to the Rams, like, dude, what what are y'all doing? I mean, I, I understand he's probably going to leave after this season anyway, but they're they're not really set on winning the division. I think it's going to be us and the Chargers foot race, and and we'll see. That's why I have them so high. 70%, but real quick, let's give out our game balls to our players for chiefs giants. Before we move on to some news, I am going to give my game ball to, Oh, this is hard to say. I'm going to give it to Frank Clark. He balled out. Okay. He had All a right. good game. The chiefs really needed it. And if you get an opportunity to, I'm not going to say or paraphrase it. Frank Clark gave a very like open and honest press uh, press conference on Friday. He it was the first time he's talked since all of his legal issues. And I appreciated someone who came out was honest, said, yes, this is impacting me. I need to be better. And he came out against a bad tackle, but he did play well. And I appreciate it. And it was needed. And he showed up in kind of his classic Frank, Frank Clark time there on that fourth down. So I'm going to give it to Frank Clark. See, and I really, really wanted to because I gave my game ball last week to Travis Kelsey, who was fighting through injuries. And you saw it at the end of the game. Frank Clark was limping along the sidelines. And I just have a hard time believing that he's been right. I mean, he's been, what did he have, the hamstring thing early in the season? I think it's way more than that. I, th I think he's still got to be dealing with some stuff. And 
too big of a man to, to not tell anybody. I think still think we should cut him at the end of the season, just so we're clear. But oh, that that's happening. That, yeah. That's that's not even a should they like that's has to happen so they can have a football team next year. Yeah. So unfortunate, but you know the guy gave his heart out on Sunday and you know, got to respect him for it. Mine, I'm going to go on the defense as well. I'm going to go with Chris Jones, who was disrupting the entire offense from the defensive tackle spot. I mean, one tackle for a loss, one sack, two quarterback hits. He, he wasn't super involved in playing well against the run game, but that's never been his MO. So just an absolute force. Put him back inside. And hopefully with the addition of Melvin Ingram, we'll see him. I, I don't want to say 100% of the time because – you know, I, I'm a realist. I don't think that'll ever happen. But can we go like 90-10? Can we get a 90-10 split here? Because we saw how dominant he was. Like, it's just crazy to watch him play football from the defensive tackle spot where he's supposed to be playing. Agreed. He, It's a t- completely different defense when him and Frank Clark are going. And that kind of segues into our next topic. We're going to do the uh, trade deadline was today. Um, we're just going to do kind of an NFL news roundup kind of talk about some of the biggest news we're going to start with the Chiefs news enter Melvin Ingram to the Chiefs the Chiefs are sending their 2022 six round pick in return for Melvin Ingram um you know I'm happy that he's here um I think I'm glad that the Chiefs tried to improve this I feel like this especially after what we saw against the Giants can actually make a big impact on this team because this gives the Chiefs three pretty good pass rushers Chris Jones when on the inside is elite and, you know, this this just bumps everyone down one more notch. This puts Frank Clark, someone's going to get double teamed in there and someone's going to get left one-on-one. You feel like Melvin Ingram, Frank Clark, maybe Jaron Reed or whoever else is playing on DT inside there, this creates more opportunities. Pass rush is always one of those strength in numbers. You know, Melvin Ingram's put up some good numbers. It helps when you're playing next to, uh, you know, TJ Watt, obviously, but... I, on the surface, I like this addition to the Chiefs. I don't like giving up a pick. Clearly, the sixth round, the Chiefs got Trey Smith there. But the Chiefs do have seven – or sorry, not seven. They do have three seventh-round picks next year, so they could always move back up. Right now, the Chiefs have a first, a second, a third, and a fourth, and then three sevenths. So they don't have a fifth and a six. The sixth-round pick that they traded was technically the uh, Ravens pick with the Orlando Brown trade. I'm glad that they made the move. I guess I don't love, you know, I never love giving up picks, but it's also a six run pick. So I, I, I think that this does make an impact for sure. Oh yeah. I mean, you said it perfectly. This, this is a guy that's going to come in, play good pass down reps and, and get some pressure on the opposing quarterbacks. My thing is that six round pick is, I, I don't want to say it's, it's too cheap, but I think they could have got us for a little bit more. I mean, not all six-round picks are Trey Smiths, for God's sakes. Like, this guy's what, – what, what is our six-round pick going to look like? Cornell Powell, a guy that comes in, everybody is super hyped on and then ends up being on the practice squad. Like, it was just – I think it was a perfect move by Beach. I think he traded for a, a need, obvious need, and for basically nothing. I mean, it, low risk, high reward, even if he's gone next year, you know, like – We'll just see what happens. Maybe we can extend him. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting because him and Von Miller, obviously, so Von Miller is clearly the better lifetime player. Like Von Miller, huge, huge, you know, he's he's going to be a Hall of Famer. But they're both 32. 
they're both basically rentals and both teams that traded them ate most of their salary so they could flip them to teams who are both very anti-draft picks. Now the Chiefs are nowhere near what the Rams are. The Rams have a fifth round pick next year. That's it, a fifth. So it's interesting. Like I said, this one's kind of hard because I don't necessarily expect Melvin Ingram to come in and have like six sacks this season for the Chiefs. But I feel like his impact can be felt by the other players. It's one of those that like to measure if the trade was successful, it's just going to be ultimately is the pass rush getting home because the Chiefs right now are getting pressure, but they have to bring so many blitzes that it puts people in bad places and requires, you know, one-on-one coverages. So if the Chiefs can start getting home with four more, you feel a lot better about the defense, especially because when they do bring those exotic blitzes, you feel even better about them getting home. So, you know, I'm glad the Chiefs made a pick. This is like the first acquisition that they've made at the deadline in a long time too. So you can tell that they're motivated and feel like they still have a chance at the division. And I'm glad to see it. I think that, you know, this, I know that these things are hard to measure, but you feel like maybe this brings a little energy to the, to the locker room and bring some good vibes for them going against a really good team this Sunday. Um, the other trade that the Chiefs made, this one not nearly monumentous, but this had been, you know, an inevitability for a long time. LDT, Laurent Durvanet-Tarif, waived his no-trade clause to go to the Jets. He will probably start next week because that's just how the Jets are. Um, and in return, the Chiefs got something called Dan Brown, who did not write the Da Vinci Code. Well, he did, but not, not that Dan Brown. First of all, eloquently spoken on the name, dude. Perfect. Well, I, I loved every every little bit about that. It's what, so ha- it's it what happened. It, it's what happens when you have to sing in French. Um, but that's you know that was my education, music, vocal music education major. There coming out, I had to study French and how to pronounce it and all that stuff. But that's another story for another time. <laughs> well, I like the trade just because we got him off the books. I mean, it's really sad. The guy was, you know, basically part. Of, I believe he was part of our offense for like five or six years just just a humble dude I actually met him one time at a uh, at a burger joint in Kansas City so that, that was kind of cool but yeah I mean left to fight COVID came back and his job was gone I mean yeah I, you know it, it was really kind of one of those weird things it's kind of one of those things like I saw some there's always some people mad about something on Twitter but I saw some people saying that like the Chiefs basically did LDT dirty by doing this. And I mean, I don't, I don't really feel that way. The, the hardest swallow pill about this is that LDT hasn't played good football eh, since 2018, maybe yeah. because he didn't play well in 2019. Now the Chiefs won the Super Bowl that year. He just happened to be the right guard on that team. He needed replacing his salary. His contract was a mess. I mean, that was one of the contracts that got Dorsey fired. I have little to no doubt. And, you know, the Chiefs went from having a very mediocre average guard to having arguably an all pro at right guard. So you, yeah. you really can't argue with that. Um, well, and it, it, it everybody be, saying that that's I, I didn't realize there were people saying that they did him dirty. He had a no trade clause. No yeah, trade clause. So they, he had they, to waive that to go anywhere. So and also it's close. Uh, New York is close to Montreal where he's from. So that'll probably make travel for him easier. I don't know what the COVID restrictions are like there. I know that. Canada is much stricter, but um, I have a friend who's been jumping across the border a lot to see his family. So obviously that, that, that probably mattered to him and he gets to start and recoup some value. And, you know, if he plays well, he can get another contract. So, 
I, I this is one of those that just felt like a win-win. Dan Brown yeah. appears to be, strictly be a pass blocker or pass run blocking special teams player. Um, you will probably not see him get the ball. If anything, this is probably just depth and to make up for the Jody Fortson injury. Um, and I also expect that this kind of to coincide with the Chiefs activating um, Kyle Long off the pup list. I think that he will be their new kind of swing tackle inside guard first guy off the bench um, if there's an entry along with him and Mike Rimmers. So Chiefs will have some finagling to do with the 53-man, but they've got a couple guys like Austin Edwards and Chris Lamons on there who aren't really doing much. Yeah, well, and ultimately this freeze up cap where we maybe should see, I don't, I don't know how in on it I am, but D-Jax coming to KC. You like it? Well, I like it, especially now that they don't have to give up a pick. And, you know, we talked about that LDT is basically a salary dump. Chiefs cleared up a million and a half dollars cap space there. You know, if they do get into slight bidding war for Deshaun Jackson, then, yeah, you kind of like it. I mean, the only thing I'll say about Deshaun Jackson to Kansas City is that there's a lot of teams who could really use something like Deshaun Jackson. Um, You know, the Raiders are going to need a new field stretcher. Um, I... (laughs) McCole Hardman, Tyree Kill, and Deshaun Jackson is a little redundant. But also, I, I just, you know, anything that gets Marcus Kemp and Byron Pringle off the field feels all right to me. It, it, it makes a lot of sense, him coming to Kansas City with Andy's offense and all that. And it's felt like something we've needed for a long time, like Deshaun oh, Jackson on, becoming on, a chief. By- Byron Pringle? You want Byron to come off the field? Uh, I mean... <sighs> Look, we fall in love with we fall in love with these guys because there are guys and we see them week in and week out and we look at their stats like oh he's got 235 yards and he looks really good against that one thing. Look, Byron Pringle is a product of his situation and his surroundings. Yes, he has to catch the ball. Yes, he has to do something. But there are very few times that Byron Pringle makes a play that I feel like, oh, he really created something out of nothing there. That was pure athleticism. Byron Pringle truly did something there. Byron Pringle's and Demarcus Robinson, McCole Hartman's a little bit different because of the speed, but these are just guys. You, I, if someone told me tomorrow, like, hey, would you protect like Byron Pringle from being traded or something like that? The answer is no. Like Byron Pringle is just a guy. He is Marquez Valdez, Gantwayne. He is the fifth rider. You know, he's Chris Hogan when he was on the Patriots. He is just a piece of a puzzle on a good offense. I, I have zero feelings towards Byron Pringle other than he is just a guy who catches the ball from Patrick Mahomes sometimes. Well, okay. But it just struck me as odd that you put his name above D Rob. I just want to make sure. Who's yeah, I mean, on your list. I, I mean, it's need to the, do an integrity thing here. The hierarchy is certainly, and I mean, this goes back to the Mel, Josh Gordon thing. I mean, you know, what is Josh Gordon? We we still don't know the answer to that question. At what point is he just taking up space and not good, or can the Chiefs' offense just not utilize him, or is he cooked? But I mean, you know, the Chiefs' wide receiver hierarchy goes something like Terry Kill, McCole Hardman. Byron Pringle, you know, Josh Gordon, Demarcus Robinson, Marcus Kemp, I think. Um, you know, obviously, I would like to think that the whole Josh Gordon thing would end up better than that. But, you know, Deshaun Jackson raises the ceiling of that for sure. And, I mean, here's the thing. These, these type of moves here, they don't have to be, you know, Deshaun Jackson wouldn't have to come in and have 500 yards and three touchdowns. Literally, all he has to do is break open one time in a playoff game, 
and score a touchdown in a big moment and it's all worth it. You know what I'm saying? Um, So low risk, low reward reminds me a lot of some of the other moves the Chiefs have made around this time. He's going to go through waivers. So the Chiefs, you know, theoretically will get a chance to claim him before some other teams because they are four and four. So I could see it happening. I could also see them just let him walk. I think that they, you know, let's go ahead and get into the Raiders here a little bit. Um, well, hold on before before we do that. Yeah. He cleared waivers, by the way, so he's oh. a free agent now. Oh, okay, he can go yeah. to any team that he wants. Okay, I, yeah, I didn't see that. I didn't know if he had cleared yet or not. But uh, you know, the Raiders are going to need a field stretcher because I think Henry Ruggs has played his last snap of football probably in his life. Um, well, at least professionally speaking. Um, you know, we don't really need to go down the whole laugh at the Raiders thing because this is kind of something that's kind of twisted to laugh at the Raiders about. This has nothing really to do with the Raiders and it just has everything to do with someone making a bad choice. Twice now we've seen people who are millionaires in the NFL who have made a career out of a game destroy someone's life because they can't make the right choices with alcohol. And by the way, I was reading kind of the snippets from the police report in case you didn't know by now, Henry Ruggs was involved in a fatal DUI crash in Las Vegas at 3 a.m. last night. And, um, you know, obviously ended in the fatality of one innocent bystander, a 23-year-old female. And he rear-ended the car at such a high rate of speed that it burst into flames and she basically, you know, burned to death inside the car. Um, First off, it's a terrible tragedy, just like the Brett Reed situation is. And it can't be described as anything else other than that. You, someone's, completely innocent life was forever changed or ruined because of the selfish actions of someone else. And it, it's heartbreaking. It's crushing. It's frustrating. It's, it's all those things. And the most frustrating thing about it all is that we live in a generation and a time now that it's easier than ever to have that problem solved. You know, there are so many different ways to get a ride. And I retweeted something. The NFL provides a service to all players and coaches no questions asked, they will come and pick you up and take you where you need to go to prevent TUIs. There's zero excuses for Henry Ruggs. He will go to jail and he deserves to. Yeah, I, I actually didn't know about that, uh, the Uber service for NFL players. But yeah, I mean, this goes without saying, man, if you don't have an extra $25 after you go drinking and get an Uber, like, what are you doing? Like, sure, sure, show. And with Henry Ruggs, it's, it's a little bit different. You're making millions of dollars. You, I mean, you can't hire some of these guys have like private security details that go out with them. You can't have that guy drive you home. One of those guys, really? I mean, it's just a dumb decision and, you know, alcohol is an inhibitor. It helps you make all those dumb decisions. But I mean, really at $25, if anybody out there is drinking tonight and you got 25 and you need a ride home, I'll Venmo you $25. I mean, it's, it's not worth it. So many lives have been changed with DUIs and, and running into people. It's it just don't do it. Just don't do it. And I mean, just on a, on a side note, on a personal note, like you might get a DUI and not kill someone or put them, make them a paraplegic, but it'll still screw up your life. Cost you thousands of dollars. You'll go to jail. It'll be embarrassing. It'll be on your record. Your employer will know about it. It's just not worth it. Like if it's even close, if you're even wondering, should I, you know, am I cool to drive? Just don't, you know, like there there's, I can't tell you how many times I didn't know where my car was in the morning in college. Okay. But I never drove drunk because 
it, it's just so easy. If anything, you know, it, people understand, people should respect that choice that you know that you're not good. Now, we're going to move to the football side of this, but clearly there's nothing that we can say that's going to right the wrong or speak the grief that's involved in the situation. You hate it for everyone involved, including Henry Ruggs. His life, you know, he when he went to bed on, October, on Halloween night, he had a world of opportunity ahead of him, and now his life is ruined. And that sucks for him, too. He made a bad yeah. choice, but that sucks for him, too. Now, on the football side of it, the Raiders are currently sitting on top of the AFC West. They're five and two. Um, their president of football operations resigned in randomly in the middle of July. Their football coach was fired slash resigned because he made racist and homophobic comics. And now their brightest top 10 wide receiver star who was having sort of a breakout season. He was definitely on pace for over a thousand yards in their field stretcher. There's zero way that he is playing another snap this season. I, I don't see how that could happen. No chance. Um, not not even from like being on the commissioner's exempt list. It just yeah. physically. I think he I think he what was it? He fractured his hip. Yeah, I I've, I've, I, I've been um, in car crashes and fractured my hip before. That is not a fast recovery time. So medically, professionally, there's there's no chance he's coming back to play. And you said something interesting at the top of this segment. You don't think he plays another down in the NFL? I I don't know, man. I he killed a person. Like I know that Ray Lewis. I I understand that, and that was that was where I was about to go with this too. But man, I I don't know. I I feel like things are changing a little bit on that. I think people are kind of getting a little bit more privy to. We can't just let these players get away with everything. I know Kareem Hunt's still playing, et cetera, et cetera. But I I have a hard time seeing it because I think he's going for a while. I don't think that, you know, we'll see. I'm I'm not a, a lawyer or a prosecutor, but I would be inclined to think that he's probably going to jail for a while. And it would have Let's, to be a it'd have to be a tremendous comeback story. I, I mean, the minimum sentence is two years with a maximum of 20 for the class B felony that he is charged with. Obviously, he's gonna have good legal representation, but that doesn't really doesn't necessarily mean anything. I mean, you know, five, six years in jail, he's probably what 22, 23, you know, he's gonna be close to 30 by the time he gets out and hadn't been playing football for a while. It'd be a tremendous comeback story. And you know, is he deserving of the opportunity? That's the other thing. I mean, this wasn't, this wasn't, you know, Derek Gore, who was an undrafted free agent who struggled from a small school to make an NFL roster. This was, as far as being a football player, Henry Ruggs was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. You know, Alabama, you know, top 10 draft pick, had the world ahead of him. Las Vegas, a new market, hotshot coach, a good quarterback, you know, and it all got thrown away. It's crazy. And, yeah, and I, I, I just don't see how the Raiders, uh, the Raiders, if they, if they manage to, you know, win the division and win a playoff game, it'll be a true story of overcoming adversity because I just don't see how you can take on this much water. I mean, this is between, no, and, between Gruden and Ruggs. And like I said, their president of operations resigned in the middle of the season. I mean, or uh, right before the season started, I don't know. I don't know how they can keep taking on water like that. No, especially with, like you said, all that dysfunction before Henry Ruggs. What do you, I mean, what, what are you supposed to do? That The guy killed somebody, like you said. It's 
I don't want to keep belaboring the point, but it, it's just so sad to me. I mean, like this guy and had someone, someone brought this up on my Twitter. He's a Raiders fan that I follow. Um, he brought the fact that, you know, Darren Waller and Max Crosby have both openly admitted that they have substance abuse problems as well. This isn't going to help those two guys. You know, this, no. that, that's, this is their teammate. They care about them. There's no way that they can walk into practice tomorrow after hearing this and things just not feel off. Not to mention like the offense, you know, Darren Waller's still banged up. Brian Edwards is playing pretty good. Hunter Renfro is a good player. The offensive line has really struggled. Josh Jacobs is kind of a shell of himself at this point. Uh, Derek Carr has played very well and the defense has surprised, but you got to wonder how they're going to be able to keep it together, especially with the midterm head coach. So, you know, if, if they come through this, it will be a true testament to some of Derek Carr's leadership. And I, and I do mean that. I know we as Chiefs fans love to make fun of him and his brother is an absolute moron on Twitter. But, um, you know, that, that would really speak to a lot about the character of some of the leaders in that locker room. Well, and I'll go ahead and say this, and I'm about to do something I don't like to do, which is, you know, transform these people. I mean, what, what a team is, it's an amalgam of players coming together and a bunch of individuals working for something, but I'm, I'm going to turn it into, I'm just going to take the people, turn them into a team for a second here. And with all that dysfunction, I mean, your wide receiver, your top wide receiver just killed somebody. You got a racist coach who, I don't know if he's racist, but he said some racist comments and was fired. Head of football operations is gone now too. I, I do not see how you, first of all, I don't see how you finish the season in the first place. I, I know my head wouldn't be right if I was Kenyon Drake running the football. Like, what are you supposed to do? And Derek Carr is a great leader. I just think there are some things you cannot get past in a season. And, and I think that overcoming something of that magnitude, and we kind of know a little bit about that with the Britt Reed situation, how, how do you get past it? That, how can that not be on your mind for the rest of the season, going into the offseason, that, that one of your best players is not going to be with you anymore? And it's through no fault of, you know, he got old, he got injured, he, he played bad. It, it, it was just a, a bad decision. His, his entire life based on that one decision, it's going to change. And I, I do not see the Raiders being a problem for the chiefs. I know how bad that sounds, but for the rest of the season, I, I just don't see it. Yeah. I mean, I, I still think the chiefs could go one and one against the Raiders, especially going back to the original topic at hand about how uninspiring the chiefs happened this season, but I don't know about, I don't see how the Raiders can go throughout the rest of the season and still keep their head above water on that. Um, guys, we appreciate you listening to the podcast. Always, uh, if, if you do like to listen, you know, feel free to give us a shout out on social media. We're always looking to grow our brand and have more people listen to not just this podcast, but all the podcasts on Arrowhead Life. So please take a moment and do that. Um, as always, this is Price Carter. You can follow me at, at Price A. Carter. And joining me is my co-host Christian Amesworth at CBreezy underscore edits. We look forward to talking to you about the Chiefs Packers game soon. Um, as always, thanks for listening to Not Just Another Sports Podcast. Go Chiefs.